0: What's everybody? Hope your quarantine or lockdown is going well. I just want to check in and let you guys know that the crew over here at Game Dev Unchained is moving along just fine. The great thing about working from home already actually has its own challenges when it's uh, totally required for you not just to work from home, but be at home all the time. So it's it's actually something I've been sharing with um all the Patreon supporters with this week's life on change is talking about the the key differences because I feel like one of the misconception is that since I was already working from home that this transition wasn't so bad but it's still pretty insane where everybody's at home and uh the 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 my escape has been completely closed off. You know, all the shops, gyms, everything that helps break up my day. Basically, walking away from the office has been completely depleted. Furthermore, I just wanted to kind of check in with you guys to let you guys know that uh, the perfect response, something I started last year, gdux.me. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying those talks and replays on this podcast itself. We're doing a third one. Our first one this year, part one, in June 1st to 3rd. So, go over there gdux.me and register in RSVP so you don't miss a date. This is going to be a big one. The cool thing about this one is that... More and more people are open to it. We're getting more sponsors, more speakers, especially when this year all the conventions, all the physical presence have been completely stopped. And so uh, these virtual conferences such as GDUX are providing a way for promoters marketers anybody that's trying to uh, make noise for their game it's it's creating an outlet that is really much needed right now so go to gdux.me and make sure you don't miss out sign up to the newsletter so you're completely aware of the line of speakers and sponsors that we have um, coming up So this is a very special episode. It's actually uh, another show that I do besides Game Dev Unchained called Game School Online. This one's for the school and it's primarily a video podcast. Uh, Maybe in the future I'll turn it into like an audio podcast. But once in a while we do these interviews with professionals and usually it focuses on them kind of reverse engineering a a personal project or artwork and kind of breaking down the techniques and it is very video um, intensive. But this one was uh, with a colleague of mine, a friend, Scott Knapp. And uh, it was more in line with some game dev unchained topics, whereas we were talking about how lighters are super in high demand right now, but in low supply, how the industry is changing uh, from visual effects to to more of a hybrid with uh, virtual production being the hot trending topic nowadays that everybody's trying to get into. And we talked about how a lot of visual effects artists are really paying attention to game tech as the future for that industry. So a lot of interesting things that I feel like you guys will get a kick out of uh, that is super relevant um, that is hopefully not too new to the listeners out there because I know you guys are super on the on the cuss of technology but just in case uh, this is a topic that I feel like you guys should be aware of and am super happy to talk to an old friend uh, and had a great time so hopefully you guys enjoy and as always uh You can watch these live on twitch.tv for slash blue champs, blue underscore champs. But if you are listening along and there are times that we're referencing a video or something that Scott is showing off, uh, feel free to find the video posts on the link as well for this episode. Enjoy. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game School Online, where we talk to game development professionals, bring them on the show, and have them break down their techniques on their personal projects or whatever they want to share, to take you from piss poor to amazing, uh, wherever you are. (laughs) So, uh, I am your host, uh, Brandon Pham, and I'm bringing on a special guest today. And uh, he's a dear colleague and friend for a while now, Scott Knapp. How you doing, Scott? And how's it going? Good, Scott. So uh, for people who don't know you offhand, but you've been on the show a few times right now, can you give them mm-hmm. a quick reminder how awesome you are, where you are, where you're from, and where you're heading?
1: I don't know about awesome, dude. I'm, I'm all right, I guess. Dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'm a lighting artist uh, at Turtle Rock Studios right now. Um, So, I work in video games. I've worked in feature film in the past as well. Um, But, yeah, so kind of bounce back and forth between games and and film.
0: Awesome. So, uh, the one question that I like to kind of ask pretty much for the last couple weeks, it's no surprise, right? Everyone's pretty much quarantined at this time. Uh, how are you guys dealing with it? Uh, how are people within your network dealing with it? Some studios are kind of prepared for this to kind of suddenly go remote working. Some aren't, uh, mm-hmm. kind of want to know your thoughts about that for those game developers out there kind of seeking, you know, what, what the, the, the network is looking like right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, Turtle Rock, uh, we, we've got work for home for people who've been there for a while. Um, but it's like super, uh, like if you absolutely need it, it's not like a every week thing and it's definitely not a something that most people do. It's kind of like, if you want to sneak in some overtime hours or if you're not feeling too well, but you can still work from home. Um, that's been the case for most of the time there. Um, but since the COVID 19 thing broke out, um, we went full remote. So the whole studio had to get ramped up in like two or three days. So it and like all of our programmers and stuff, and the producers everybody's trying to get everybody organized and get anything people needed like there's people that uh we work with that like didn't even have like personal computers that could run unreal engine and stuff um so they had to like build personal kits for people to take home uh in some cases and then make sure everybody's uh you know hard drives and stuff were clear um and good enough to to run like all of our stuff so they had to get all that stuff ramped up like super fast it it's crazy um, but, and then not only that, we had a stagger when people would come pick things up because of the social distancing thing. So did like, it- <laughs>
0: yeah. So ITs are pretty much on the front lines, like doctors right now, touching everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, stuff. exactly. Dude. For <laughs> sure, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those crazier thoughts. So it took you guys a few, a couple of weeks. Is everyone pretty much set up right now? Did you guys have enough rigs to kind of hand out to everyone or do you guys have to order stuff? Like you said, just to, uh, supply people yeah, with things I mean,
1: uh, most people were able to get set up at home um we're a studio full of nerdos so most nerdos have good like computers at the house you know
0: yeah
1: um so most people it was just a matter of like VPNing in which is like a lot easier to set up um but there was like a few cases where people like only had mac or something like that um and didn't have like a windows partition so uh, in those cases, you know, I, I don't even know what the percentage is. Maybe like 2 or 3% of the studio needed rigs or something. Um, but yeah, not too bad. Not too painful.
0: All right. I mean, uh, just talking to your friends, I know you've been in the industry for a while. You probably have a lot that you're speaking to, especially in this time where we're like... Um Talking to more people, usual. Well, that's the funny thing, right? During work hours, we're talking to more people now because of the social distancing stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the situations? You don't have to name any studios. Uh, how hard, How are they faring? Are they doing just as well or uh, worse?
1: I've been really surprised, man. Like I said, like I worked in um, in visual effects in the past and stuff. I worked at like uh, Framestore and Moving Picture Company and uh, Double Negative, and, or sorry, not Double Negative, frame store. Um, and digital domain. And like I've been following them on social media a little bit and seeing how they've been handling it because a lot of their stuff is like a lot more, it's all client based. So like having clients trusting employees to work on their stuff from home is like something that's never been a thing. Um, so it's pretty cool seeing like how as these different industries are handling it, um, there's been like a lot more trust in the artists and people doing stuff and like being trusted to do the right thing at home. Um, and hopefully this will kind of set a precedent for the future, right? Like it'd be sick if a lot of these industries, you can start moving towards that. Right. Um, everything's super collaborative and communication's gotten a lot better with things like discord and Slack and stuff. Um, so I think they're like, Oh, this might be manageable where people can, you know, maybe work from home like once or twice a week moving forward or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been pretty cool.
0: So how, how, how do you think realistically? <laughs> because I've been kind of like talking to a lot of people too. And um, a lot of studios are kind of like in the same situation. They're kind of scrambling for equipment, getting people set up. Uh, there are a lot of nerdos at the studios that are already well equipped to kind of handle this kind of situation. But in a lot of other right. situations, right, they don't do a lot of personal work at home. They just go in and, and clock in and clock out for their full-time job. So they don't really have that set up. And then you throw in the whole uh, X factor with our kids. Suddenly, you know, our teachers are pretty pretty much piecing out for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And now we have these kids kind of distracting during the work hours. So deadlines, of course, are not going to be as met at the very beginning stages and stuff. Um, I kind of want to see like what your grasp... Of uh you know, I think Turtle Rock is probably a lot more relaxed in this kind of state, but studios that uh are, are more kind of set with their own old ways, right? Probably will try to prefer business as usual as fast as possible. I do hope there is some kind of residual from this where people are like, you know, this actually works. We've been doing it for three, four months, but it could be one of those things where like you know, it has to be after four <laughs> yeah, months where they finally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think realistically a good percentage of studios will finally let people just work one day a week or, 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 or be more open to this type of thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I doubt it'll be most, but I think some will. Um, and that might be like a new perk, you know, people like got the 401k and the health benefits, like working from home, could be a, a perk that you start seeing companies list on their websites and stuff, right? Um I do think the productivity thing uh varies from person to person. Like uh in my case, um I definitely do, you know, have the kids. Like they're like back there right now playing with my wife doing puzzles and stuff. Um, at any moment they could bust through the door. <laughs> yep. Uh so that happens during work time sometimes too. But overall, um I feel like my productivity has gone up a little bit even Uh, because I have, you know, not to worry about like, you know, people coming to my desk or like, uh, as many meetings and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff's kind of toned down. So I feel like I'm putting almost more work in and doing a little bit more hours because I can just do them in my PJs,
0: you know? Exactly.
1: Um, but I do know the collaborative aspect that, uh, comes with working at a studio. I think that has taken a hit. Um, people are less inclined to just like write on chat as much as they would Uh, and like stuff is less um, free flowing on chat as it would be if you're just talking to someone in person. Like if I came over to your desk, and was like, Hey dude, like we look at these UVs together. um, I'm a lot more inclined to do that face to face than like start a screen share thing with you and like bother you. I'd probably just dig it open myself. You know, and I think some of the collaborative aspects have kind of taken a hit Um, which, you know, is important for games for sure. So Mm -hmm. I think pros and cons.
0: Definitely. Well, uh, I'm yeah, yeah. actually very curious, and I'm hopeful, as you are, that uh, Mark Studios are going to be okay with this. I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to wait till the the battle scene kind of kind of settles for them to kind of realize and get used to it, and be like you said, forced into a situation like this where they're they can finally see some benefits from it. But uh, if yeah. anything, this whole whole viral. Uh, problem is going to be in the next three, four months. um mm-hmm. uh, At least from me, just scoping and, and talking to everybody, it's, it seems like it's going to be. I mean, the it's, school, yeah. school the it's academic good. year it just keeps pushing. They keep saying April 12th and now it's May 1st. It's like, dude, just call it done. You're not going back.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's dude. Stop teasing people. I always joke with my wife too. I'm like, dude, they're going to start paying you the teacher's salary, dude. Like, you're the uh, teacher now. She's getting exactly. like, all
0: this curriculum stuff. yes so she's going
1: it uh she's been having to like the kids are getting a little stir crazy so she's been trying to do fun like activities and shit Mm -hmm. um like you know having them do yoga and jump on the trampoline and stuff but it's like dude we're still stuck inside and like we're all each other sees all day you know
0: yeah
1: uh so yeah man it's crazy
0: it's too much family during this time, for sure. I'm trying to find my self-isolation <laughs> during isolation. Everyone's that's going right. on each other's nerve. I think everybody, just at least the first the week. Exactly. You're either going to come out, well, at least a, a a marriage couple is either going to come out of this like with a kid or like divorced. I, I think that's the extreme yeah. case. <laughs> it's either we either grow really well together or it's going to be down each other's throats um yeah. but anyways uh we had you on today to kind of go through some cool some stuff that you've been kind of cooking um so oh, anything sure, that yeah. you want to start sharing uh you can just throw that up on the screen but um what we're gonna do in this session is kind of kind of go through kind of your thoughts experiences and we'll shoot the shit while we're doing it so
1: yeah sounds good man let me uh i'll just pull up the video first okay um. So at work, um, oops, got that volume blasting. Um, at work, we've, uh, you know, I've been trying to help the prop artists and the character artists have like lighting environments so that they can kind of uh, have consistency, right? Like, a, like uh, for texturing and stuff, we've been trying to make it so. Um, substance painter has the same HDRs as our unreal engine asset viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artists can like go back and forth and we've been trying to bring those things in parity, So there's no surprises, um, whenever they bring in the engine. Right. Um, so that got me thinking that, you know, this could be a resource that a lot of people don't have where like they can quickly swap between different lighting setups. Right. Um, and then it's just showing off work. Like I have like a lot of buddies who like, you know, they can model and texture really, really well. But when it comes to presentation of their their assets, on um, they struggle a little bit, and a lot of it's just a lack of understanding of like how Unreal's lighting works and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I made this new pack. It's called the Pro Lighting Kit, and the idea is like you just open up the level, you drag and drop the level into like your your project directory, you open it up, and then you just dump in your assets, whether that's a character or a prop. And you could choose to bake lighting if you want to look really tasty. Or if it's a character that you want to idle and stuff, then the, the lighting that's in there um, dynamically uh, is like pretty good. Um, so I'll just start this video. Let me screen share.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a very important feature, uh, especially within the studio. Light cali- uh, calibration between different software is something that isn't as widely known which is very surprising like um i mean there's nothing you can do within the substance but just to calibrate it just enough by eyeballing it but like within unreal or any engine uh within even the uh, static mesh editor right there's a lot of differentiation Mm -hmm. between the two and then artists and props or world builders are yelling at each other saying your shit sucks but i mean in reality it's just because um you know, the, it's lacking the, the like, lighting director, such as yourself, kind of going there and tuning in, and make sure everyone is, is setting it up correctly.
1: Another thing, too, is just um, <clears throat> the angle at which you're viewing your model from its light source um, drastically changes the way the material is perceived, too. Mm-hmm. So if you have uh, just a screenshot that someone throws in and like, they took a shitty screenshot, like the textures might actually be fine but then they're right. going to get a bunch of direction. Like, oh, you need to increase the gloss or whatever. Um, right. or we need more breakup. Um, but really they don't. And it's just that they were displaying it wrong. And then when you see it in game, you know, it's like, Oh, this is way too glossy now." Right. Yeah. You know? So I think, uh, having stuff where you can dynamically see objects move and see how the light rolls off of it and stuff is super important. Um, something we've been trying to do at the office too is, um, I'll just take screen sharing off right now. Um, something we've been trying to do at the office as well as um, have a lot more video stuff, or we'll just open up the prop in something like that asset viewer and we'll just like check it out live and like, we can like move about it and change the camera angle and stuff. So you can really give good texture feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also if you're able to take good screenshots of your stuff, it gets the rest of the team excited. Um, you know, programmers and designers and Uh, production people who aren't involved with art every day they might uh you know it just helps morale right they were able to see the the characters and stuff coming coming along so
0: yeah yeah. that's definitely something that doesn't get done a lot um because within the studio we're always kind of going for the green light projects or like demos and stuff but in between Mm -hmm. those long stretches of hard development the team doesn't really know what's going on in another department so um like screenshots especially that doesn't that's not part of our thing we just want to keep moving forward because it takes time to actually like showcase it and stuff Mm -hmm. right and um that can be the good
1: thing is uh, you get consistency right like if you're able to if everybody's working in the same lighting environments um and they can shift between them and look at how stuff is holding up you can see things relative to each other Um, that way you don't get stuff like albedos that are all over the place and stuff like that. Cause you're able to bring them in context in the same lighting environment together. Um, which is super important because then, you know, people aren't doing funky stuff where they're changing the exposure of their scene or doing weird stuff. Um, and then things come in too dark or too bright. Um, everything's consistent. So definitely. Yeah. 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 I'm going to try to crack open the scene and just show like how easy it is to get going
0: definitely uh while you're doing that i'll ask a few questions so lighting is surprisingly Mm -hmm. well not surprisingly in hot demand but it's still surprisingly not a lot of studios are having a whole well lighting department right not a dedicated lighting department they're still in like the beginning stages of setting that it's not as common around in the industry all right so um what's the landscape of that looking like uh are you are you feeling like it's um both supply and demand, where not a lot of people are are, are discovering that lighting is a like a whole separate thing uh, for people who want to get into this business and studios not respecting lighting enough to kind of dedicate lighting to a, a dedicated person.
1: Um, I think some of it's just legacy. I think if you look at the the studios that are at the forefront for visuals, right, like studios like Naughty Dog, um, Activision they pour a lot of money and time into, to lighting and materials. Um, they, they ramp up their lighting departments really, really, really big. I think last of us has like last of us Two has like 12 lighters or something like that on their team. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're doing cinematics and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, like it's, I think the studios that really, really care about the visual fidelity of their games, they've been investing in lighting cause they see how powerful it is. Like, if you look at Pixar movies, like Toy Story 1 versus Toy Story 4, like, there's a huge jump. And most of it's from the lighting and rendering. Like, some of it's from modeling, you know. Models can be a little bit beefier now. And, you know, texturing has come a long way, too. But the lighting materials has been really pushing visuals forward. Um, and people are starting to see things more like a cinematographer would in film. So, um, things aren't just, like, drag-and-drop a point light, just so people can see in this corridor. It's, like... How can we craft this frame to look super sick? Um, and I think people have seen the value in that. Um, I do think that not a lot of people know about it as a as a skill set. It's a full time thing. Um, you're starting to see a lot more lighting artists like on ArtStation. A lot of juniors are starting to do like relighting of scenes and stuff, which is super cool. Um, so people are getting interested in it but I don't think it's like as widely known people when they think about working in video games, they either think, Oh, I'm going to be a programmer. I'm going to do like concept art or characters or environments. They don't think about, you know, some of the more niche skill sets like visual effects or lighting. Um, But I think it is getting more popular. Um, And I think people are looking at games like last of us two and stuff. And they're like, Oh shit. Like, how are they making this game look so damn good? Um, And a lot of it's coming from, from that. Mm
0: -hmm. What do you think um, is missing just to kind of make it more widely available and widely known in the next few years? Um, Do you you feel like it just takes we're we're just in another game cycle, uh, another uh, game development cycle where Last of Us 2 or Last of Us 3 where we're finally caught up where the environment department is just as uh, heavy as uh, the lighting department? I mean, like places like you already name, Activision, Naughty Dog, these companies are already ahead of the curve, but they're definitely the top 10%. Um, 90% of the right. companies around the world right now are still f- trying to find these lighting artists, but finally acknowledging, I think. I, I think we're in a stage, at least where I feel, they're finally acknowledging lighting is its own separate thing.
1: Yeah, I think, um, excuse me, uh, the cool thing about our industry is people share knowledge all the time. Like you have GDC and SIGGRAPH and stuff where people are doing these talks and they're seeing rendering programmers drop really sick lighting tech. And, uh, I think that's become very inspiring and, um, engines like unreal and unity, they come out of the box with really, really good lighting and rendering, um, where you can make your projects look really, really awesome, really fast. I think a lot of engines back in the day, um, especially for like PS2, PS3, um, and Xbox 360 and stuff. Um, it was just very um, much just like environment artists or level designers to do the lighting. And it was just more like a visibility thing, you know, or like quick color palette stuff. Uh, But now that you have things like subsurface scattering and um, like awesome contact shadows on characters' faces and stuff like that, you can really shape and craft things like you couldn't before. Um, And now that we're getting like ray tracing and stuff, like we're, we're starting to bridge that gap, a lot closer to what a future film is like. So I think, yeah, maybe I think this era lighting started being taken a lot more seriously than the last generation of consoles. But I think next generation is going to push that even further um, and make it a lot more accessible to people Um, because of things like ray tracing and stuff. uh, You can get better looks a lot faster with, uh, with fewer lights,
0: you know? So you, I mean, you worked at a, across a a few industries, so I'm sure you have still a lot of contacts within, you know, visual effects industry. So what are Mm -hmm. their impressions right now with, um, with lighting in games? Do you see a lot of people converting over, uh, enterprise industries kind of taking, literally working within unreal right now? Uh, if anything, you're a pretty hot commodity in other industries because people are finally just starting with real time tech, uh sure yeah i mean um, your view on that yeah
1: it's they're definitely trying to marry the two industries i think um eventually like even when i was so i worked on avengers infinity war and when i was at digital domain uh we kind of like had sparse areas of uh different people who would sit next to us and stuff like that um so we had Every now and then, we might have one or two people. It's Like most of the team was Infinity War, but then we might have one or two people who are working on like a real-time Unreal Engine demo of like a character or something like that. So they had uh, the Digi Doug. They actually did a TED Talk on them. Uh, the Digi Doug team was like right behind me, and seeing like what those guys were doing in Unreal was like, oh shit! That they really are pushing and trying to uh, trying to you know have a more control like when they're on set. So, being able to see like what a mo capped character would look like in real time is super valuable. You're having things like the Mandalorian uh, where they have a digital set that they can dynamically light by the way so like, they can change the lighting on set because it's real time and then that affects the way the characters are lit on the set. So you had the actor uh who's playing the bounty hunter or whatever he you know was being lit dynamically by huge projectors that had an unreal real engine environment in it so this stuff is starting to can join which is super sick um and a lot of my buddies are like super interested in it they're they're you know asking me like hey like how did you get into games like you know what are the steps i need to take um because they're all interested and just fascinated by the idea that um the stuff's so accessible like you can just go to Epic's website and download unreal engine for free and you have like all of mega scans library for free so you can compose scenes and like learn uh pretty quickly you know
0: so yeah, I would love to kind Definitely of talk to, yeah talk more about the virtual production stuff. Like, um, Mandalorian mm-hmm. was a huge milestone. I mean, they started playing around with it on on Lion King. It's just the Favreau guy. He's just doing. He's kind of like the pioneer right now, uh, and no he's like doing everything for everybody. So, uh, what's great about the digital uh, sets is that it's literally game development, and a lot of that has to do with lighting artists such as yourself within unreal and you're not only illuminating the environments behind the actors and they're super glad about it because they're not like goofing around and playing improv in front of a green screen anymore they actually have a set that actually right. am responding to you so they're super excited and not only that your lighting is basically lighting the actors in the set and so if anything lighting is a hot commodity in every industry especially entertainment Um, where do you see that? Yeah. Where do you see that growing from here? Like, do you feel like every digital movie is basically going to be asking more and more guys like yourself to be on these sets to kind of help out?
1: I think, I think green screen heavy uh, movies for sure. Just, uh, just for the fact that, uh, cinematographers can frame, frame their subjects better, right? Like if Peter Jackson's doing another Hobbit movie, He's got the real actors, but he's got this, you know, what it does have a a real-time virtual production thing as well. Um, So he's able to frame his shots and get a camera angle with the digital set behind. Um, And without that, it's like, you're just kind of shooting from the hip. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, So I definitely think it's going to be more popular that they call it in camera VFX. Uh, I think first man did the same thing. They built a huge light rig. And that light rig is what lit lit um Ryan Gosling while he's like in the spaceship and stuff. Um and that saves like a ton of compositing time later because you know, before you'd have to uh get the reflections on the visor, um clean up anything that was on the visor that you didn't want. Um but now the kit, the director's seeing exactly what the shot's gonna look like uh through the lens, like while it's happening. So it's a huge time saver in post. Um so I think it's good and bad. Uh I think it's good. That what you see is what you get a lot more uh, as you're shooting, which is super cool, but I do think it might be bad in that things are getting faster and simpler um, and we might need less people doing it, right um, or you might need you know fifty compositors on a movie, maybe you need twenty or something like that. Um, but there's a lot, like way more content that needs uh you know visual effects, so I think there's gonna be work. And same with video games. There's everybody trying to make games now and get into the digital, uh, side of things. Like I even got hit up, um, randomly from, uh, Wayfair, They're like a furniture company. Right. And like, they, they have like fully digital things, you know, like all their, like most of their, um, ArchViz stuff is all just digital. Mm-hmm. But let me share with you guys the virtual production, of the Mandalorian. This is super cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a hybrid uh, step with um, the need of like uh, traditional compositors and now virtual production compositors. Do you feel like the traditional compositors just to future proof should start to get into our tech as it seems like this as Unreal gets better and better, there's going to be I mean, rendering will always be king but at some point it's going to get to a high quality bar where the, with the waiting time and the render farms just don't make as much sense as before. Uh, I wonder what your uh general opinion about that is there is there going to be a world where this is going to replace traditional compositing? I think
1: um there's always going to be a place for uh traditional compositing for sure. Uh this these sets are massive and um the work that goes into to making these, you know, I, I, I don't know what the cost difference would be instead of just, you know, doing it all after the fact. Um, I think there's pros and cons like that. You're limited to like this space and the set, uh, a little bit, right. Like there's definitely limitations, uh, yeah. with this workflow, um, where I think that you'll always need some form of digital compositing, uh, that's, you know, completely done in post. But I do think this is cool and exciting that, um, it's another way of doing things, you know, it's cool to see stuff getting pushed forward. Um, hopefully things will look a little bit more grounded and stuff as well. Um, yeah. with like in the terms of reflections and lens flares and stuff, you know, Yeah, I think there's a weird phase and like, so you can kind of see it happening here.
0: It is an interesting time. Like it, it feels like for a long time, game developers have been like the ugly stepbrother for visual effects companies, for a while and now we're kind of we're not shoulder to shoulder just yet but i do feel like there's a a certain level of respect that's happening that uh mm-hmm. that it's becoming more mutual which is really healthy because now we're, we're, we're learning from each other we're more open to to learning from each other and more accepting for people to kind of move back and forth um mm-hmm. where, whereas like i would even say five years ago that was ri- ridiculous it's like get out of here with your ps3 graphics (laughs) it's like i don't
1: yeah i mean i i think it's it's a little bit of both like i've heard that on the game side too like um you know might throw a resume someone somewhere to someone and they're like oh it's just he's only worked at disney and ilm like he's never worked in video games it's like yeah but like look at his art you know it's super good i'm sure he can figure it out yeah. Um, but there's like that kind of stigma as well that, oh, they're going to come in and have million poly characters and stuff. They're not going to know what to do. Um, but I think, uh, people can learn and people can adapt. Um, same with, uh, a game artist going into, to film, like if they want to transition into a film, um, I think a lot of the same theories are similar. Um, it's just technical specifications are a little bit different, but that stuff can be learned. You know, I think people get a little bit intimidated by that. And in some, in some cases, people have been burned by putting trust in uh, someone from a different industry and it not working out. Uh, but I don't think there should be like a straight up stigma where you're like, I'm not going to, you know, even take a chance on someone because of this. I think that's stupid. Mm-hmm. But I do agree. I think now that games are looking better, I think there's like a fascination with people in film like, oh, shit, how do they do that? Like, this looks so good, you know? <laughs> And that's run, like, cause we're used to rendering shit. Like I had some shots that would take, you know, 24 hours per frame on the render farm.
0: Yeah. That's
1: per frame, 24 frames per second. So, um, stuff took forever. So being able to see things run at 30 frames, 60 frames per second, and it looks like not as good, but close is right. like super exciting.
0: What do you think um, is, um, mm-hmm. In years of difference, maybe in a couple of years, what needs to be done so that that bar of um, it doesn't look as good, it's good enough, but like to a place where you feel like, you know, this is better than sitting 24 hours for one frame where... The average consumer won't be able to tell i feel like right now the average consumer can't tell it's mostly mostly visual effects people just like masturbating to art basically right but like, <laughs> for you personally where do you think what needs to be done within the pipeline i mean ray tracing is already on board it's it's not there where it's widely adopted it's not in games everywhere yet but it's getting there what else mm-hmm. what other tech needs to happen for us to be like okay it's here. We don't need to wait 24 hours anymore and, and wait for, for to reach the graphics that we need. There always, it will be a difference to the train not, but we're, we're, we're here where we're, we're okay with doing this real time. Um,
1: I think when we get to, uh, the level of destruction you can do and like Houdini and stuff, I think that'll be a big one. If you can have that many polys and be able to bring in like caches, Um, of like such density of having like a skyscraper collapse or something like that, for example, um, and bring that into the engine, uh, like you would in a feature film where it's like millions and millions and millions of tries, um, and not having the game engine poop its pants. Um, I think that will definitely, you know, we'll be able to start doing more effects in, in real time. And then for lighting, um, ray tracing is pretty good and unreal right now um, for shadows. So you can have ray trace shadows from a light um, and that's pretty solid, but we're still not there with the global illumination. So the bounce light, mm-hmm. um, that stuff is still pretty janky and, it, and it's very expensive. Like it, you're not going to run at frame rate for a game with uh, their GI right now, unless you have a super beefy computer. Um, and then same thing with reflections, uh, translucency, all that stuff can't be ray traced um, like you would in a future film yet. Um, they do have like some forms of it, but for example, with the ray trace reflections, I think there's like a, a limit on how many times it can bounce a reflection. So if you had like, you know, six Chrome balls next to each other, they would only reflect each other's reflections so many times, then it would terminate to black. Um, we're in like a, you know, a pre-rendered thing. You can set that number super high and just wait for the render. Um, so I think we're getting there, um, but there's just technical limitations still um, doing it you know, you have all these pros who work in Houdini and Maya and stuff and are doing pre-rendered things in Arnold and Redshift and stuff. And, uh, you know, these are some of the smartest people in the world making these renders and it still takes hours, you know? So I think for the real-time side of it, being good enough, I think we're already kind of seeing that with things like the Mandalorian uh, where it's good enough. Like, it's fine. Like, having practical characters in a digital set, I think it's pretty solid now having fully digital characters, I think maybe we're ways off from that. Um, but maybe, maybe that will be, you know, a thing in the future. Like even the guy I was talking about, the Digi Doug thing, uh, at digital domain, it's still really, really good, but there's still the uncanny Valley. Um, you can tell it's a digital dude, you know, mm-hmm. um, even with pre-rendered stuff, that's like one of the hardest things to do is, uh, digital human to make look convincing. Um,
0: But
1: I think it's getting there, dude. Maybe PS5, dude. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking about the next gen systems, I don't know if you spec'd it out. Is there anything there that you feel like we haven't really see like a premier title from any of those two. And um, with the next systems, you can pretty much, you know, people have rigs that are more powerful than these systems already. But what helps with these consoles, it kind of brings more development teams to kind of push the limit, which high end PC Mm -hmm. users aren't used to. Right. You need these consoles to kind of bring in that type of firepower and talent behind it. Uh, Do you feel the next system is going to really push the bar? I mean, what type of tech upgrade do you feel besides maybe ray tracing getting better? And more optimal for for GI, especially on the Unreal side, they're still still wrapping their heads around that. I feel Unity is actually probably doing a better job at, at figuring out that type of tech. They have a really talented team, but a lot of these games were still using light maps, and <laughs> it's like sure. it's like 2008, man. Uh, light maps is like most most like uh, AAA companies don't even use light maps outside of Unreal anymore. So, um, what were your thoughts about that?
1: um well there usually is some kind of baking process that happens uh for most games um whether that's baking spherical harmonic probes that are you know they might have like a diffuse uh, term and like a specular term where they're like providing that lighting information at a given space and those just interpolate between things or you'll have like the traditional traditional light maps like you do in unreal engine um or a combo of the two um like an unreal Engine you have volumetric light maps, and those are kind of like spherical harmonic probes. Um, what those do is like give movable objects like the indirect lighting information so that they look like they're receiving some kind of bounce light or shadowing and stuff. Um, so I think maybe with the new uh, systems, if we do go more ray traced, we don't have to do as many cheats and bake as much, um, which would make things a lot more dynamic. Like I could see games becoming a lot more dynamic Um, you know, there's a lot of, when you, when you have to deal with baked things, you run into issues where it's like, what are, what's a physics object and what's not like, why can I blow up that barrel, but I can't knock over that Coke can that's on the table. (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh, because that's baked. Like we don't want, we want that to stay static because it's cheaper and the lighting looks better, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So you run into those kind of issues where, um, I think physics is really bound right now. And I think. Uh, physics stuff is going to get way better with the new the new platforms uh lighting for sure is going to get a lot better and i think level streaming and uh the way that the engine's able to handle like huge open spaces and stuff is probably going to get a lot better too
0: yeah definitely with all those ssd i mean that's the biggest thing they've been kind of pimping it's just their load abilities um So uh, I think one of the other questions I have is that um, when it comes to development teams uh, kind of beefing up their lighting departments, educating the masses about how important lighting is. I mean, it's becoming more and more obvious. Uh, These AAA companies at the top 10% are kind of leading the way. Uh, and, And so it takes a while for other studios to kind of emulate, not just the look, but like their development structure. Uh, to make mm-hmm. sense out of it to like, hey, man, if Naughty Dog and these guys at Epic and everybody is doing this, that's the bar that we have to do. And this is how they set it up. They have an actual lighting department. So it takes a couple of years, uh, to kind of make that work because most of these studios are in like three, four year or five year game cycles. And so we're starting to see some of those guys coming out of those game cycles and really investing in research and and technology that is more widely adopted. Right. Um, another thing that you kind of mentioned, the virtual production stuff, um, you're seeing that there's a hybrid approach because it could be very costly or cheaper and or 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 these big budget movies need that fidelity right because they have millions of dollars behind it they want the best of the best so they're going to still go with the traditional compositing which is totally understandable and physics plays a big part of that just being able to simulate effects and and light it properly uh do you see more more of shows like Mandalorian kind of more like at least above primetime television shows to utilize this first and widely adopt it around the industry more because it's maybe a cheaper option than going full- on compositing after the fact. And maybe that's how I it's definitely
1: think so especially for episodics because um, when you build out your set you're able to reuse it right So um, if you're able to build out a set you have your lighting set up for that set. Um, it's very easy to go back in there for a future episode and uh, bang out your shots. So I definitely think it's super valuable. And the fact that you can just update the lighting on the fly um, is really, really cool. Like if the director of photography wants you to darken a torch that's behind a character because it's stealing too much of the scene or whatever, you can just have them do that like on set, (laughs) Uh, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that's going to become more mainstream. I don't know what movie kind of did that, made that, you know, first jump. It might have been Gravity. Like I know they had like a huge light box thing they created uh, where Sandra Bullock and George Clooney were in there and like when they're spinning, the lights were spinning around and shit. And uh, she's being lit by that and their visors get lit by that and everything. Um, I definitely think it's going to become more mainstream though, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as people beefing up their lighting departments, I think as the scope of projects get bigger and there's more environments and more things, more places the characters go. I think it's just a necessity. It's a time thing. Uh, There's not going to be enough time for like one or two people to do it. You need to, you need to ramp up the team size. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah.
0: You were kind of mentioning that before, like, and I never seen this in game development where when things do get easier, the department gets smaller. If anything, they get more ambitious and they want more. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good and bad thing because it feels like now they can, everyone can go out there and make like Fortnite um, in real time. Right. Because what, can't you just plop another tree? It's like, well, <laughs> I can't just add <laughs> another level just because we have mega scans there. Right. You know I mean? It just still takes time to make it look good. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things at least I've seen the last couple of years where um, big and small, right? Small companies uh, emulating bigger companies, wanting the same amount but lesser people. But because of the technology getting better, they think it's it's slightly more achievable, but not not really, right? So the team yeah. gets stretches stretches thin, and then the big companies, um, you know, the Call of Duties instead of one game is three games every time they ship a game now. It's and those three games in in its own. It's like mega huge now it's like war zone and it's not mm-hmm. just like small levels so um and i don't think the development team has gotten that much bigger to be honest uh if we were to kind of measure the percentage increase uh each department no has, i don't think they have yeah. no
1: but i've i've what i've what i've heard from other people is just outsourcing's fucking gotten wild dude like
0: insane yeah i've
1: heard numbers up to like 80 percent or yep. it's like 20% of our shit's done in-house, 80% is outsourced type thing. Right. Um so yeah, I think they're just utilizing they're seeing more of the value in like the ideas being generated, the the visual bar being generated and uh the you know, just overall the vision being generated in-house and then it's like, all right, well we don't need our dudes making trash cans and chairs and stuff. We can send that out. Um and I think you know I see, I get that, but I don't think more is always better. And I think um, because a lot of times games look at what other people are doing, um, they just think that they need that stuff. Like the players have some some expectation of like what what they they want from a game because of what other games are doing. But it's like, oh, we need crafting and we need this. It's like, do we though? Like, you know, like what does the game actually need to be fun? You know? So... I think it's good for us to look at what each other are doing um, and learn from each other and stuff, but I don't think we necessarily need to emulate what each other is doing because then you get a bunch of games that feel the fucking same and look yeah. the same, you know, mm-hmm. which we kind of do. It's like Uncharted is pretty much Tomb Raider. They call it Dude Raider because <laughs> it's just like it's the same game, dude. It's like with a different character. You know, well, like, what's what's even funnier that strange.
0: yeah, the new Tomb Raiders emulate Uncharted, which...
1: Yeah, I
0: know, cop- exactly. <laughs> so we're there they're, they're <laughs> copying themselves in a way. It's a it's yeah. a funny industry because we're seeing these shifts and changes and uh you know the um thankfully in recent years right uh, i feel like the mid-tier studios are are slowly creeping back up but for a while it was scary Mm -hmm. like a lot of the studios were disappearing it was either your indie or your triple a which um you know if if, if any middle class that's gone it it can be a very scary type of industry right well i think um small teams like your
1: mid-sized teams can do a lot right? Like you look at what insomniac did with Spider-Man, like they fucking killed it and their team's not that big. Um, They just had really, really solid like tech departments that uh, automated what they needed. And they, they were thinking more about the big picture. Like if you break down any one of their assets, they're not the best looking assets in games, Mm -hmm. but big picture wise, the whole scene looks sick and you feel like Spider-Man and it feels visceral and good. And it's just, it's solid. And they did that with a small team. And I don't think they were, trying to do too much of what other games are doing. Um, I think they kind of like are their own standalone thing. And that's why people liked it so much. It felt fresh and, uh, you had that fantasy of being Spider-Man. So, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, stuff like that. It'd be sick if more studios were being like that. Um, they just got scooped up by Sony though. Right. (laughs) So they were indie, but
0: yeah. Well, they've been around for a long time. They went through many franchises, uh had, mm-hmm. had its ups and downs, but it was Spider-Man that finally got him the sell to Sony. I mean, they've been always basically making gains for Sony. It took them this long to finally, where Sony's like, yo, Spider-Man 2, let's snatch him. They can do it.
1: <laughs> let's do it, yeah. At,
0: at a deal, though. Yeah, t- yeah, Teddy's happy, right? Uh, <laughs> but I, I kind of want to ask you about this question. So a few episodes ago, we actually had a lawyer on, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the, uh, AB five. It's a bill that like kind of restricts contractors within California mm. and, uh, yeah. it's still help. Well, it was kind of, kind of bred through helping Lyft and Uber drivers, but it's affecting all the other industries because there are other industries besides Uber drivers. Right and uh yeah. yeah and you've been in across uh an industry that exclusively um almost hires contractors on a project base uh mm-hmm. deadline right how are you yeah, seeing
1: visual effects is like 80
0: exactly and a lot of these visual effects have yeah been moving to canada or others other states or whatever but there's a still good portion of them here. How are you seeing that being affected? And do you have any um, networking stories that you feel like your friends are, are kind of going through that right now with, with this crazy thing that's just kicked started pretty much since November.
1: Well, same, time a, the way same time as the virus <laughs> <it>?
0: coincidentally. <laughs>
1: well, well, the way that they've gotten around it um, and I think that uh, game studios are going to get around it as well is just having companies that are contracting companies and you work for that company. BTB. So you get hired by that company and then you're a contractor through them for whatever the project is. So like even when I was at DD and stuff, like I didn't just come in as a DD contractor. I was working for... some I forget what the company was called. But I was right. contracting through them. So I think that's how they get around that kind of stuff.
0: So there has so been at least a company- good... So, it hasn't really stopped any of your friends. It's just a little hiccup then. So, things have been pretty swell since then.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of that's changed too much. We're in games. Like, you could have a dude who's just like his own freelance uh, concept artist or something. And he just had, used to work from home as a sole proprietor of his own thing. And then uh, I'm pretty sure that can't happen anymore, right? Like, that's the whole thing. It's like he's got to work, he's got to be hired. By a third-party contract company that the studio uses as like a outsourced resource or something,
0: right? So if, yeah. at least forming an LLC, which I think you should be doing anyways. I mean, if you're going over <laughs> as lone man uh, Scott, uh, you're kind of uh, you're opening yourself up to a lot of uh, issues uh, potentially. Yeah. Dude, that
1: way, I can hire my kids to work for me, dude, and I don't have to pay them. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, child labor is the best. Yeah,
1: <laughs> have my son I mean, watch my renders.
0: Yeah, I mean they're not going to school anyways. Might as well start paying rent. <laughs> no, I feel about the same. But it, it's one of those uh, things that I've been curious about since uh, you have. You're so connected within that industry. Um, well, I mean, what what is your overall? There, there is always going to be a fine line between the game industry and the visual effects industry. I don't think we we'll are ever go to the extreme. We're going to try to get as close as possible. Just how employers think it's like, Hey, let's shrink our core team as much as possible outsource as much as possible. But because we're so, um, we're so dependable on the creative, uh, the creativity to kind of see a project through, we can't compartmentalize, um, that's my theory. I mean, I would love to kind of hear what, what your thoughts are. Are we going to ever be in danger of being in Canada? Basically. (laughs) Uh, you know,
1: I think some studios might, uh, depends on who's at the top. Like I work at a studio, uh, where luckily, um, they for real do care about everybody's opinion. Um, like to a really crazy degree where like everybody play tests, like we even have reception play tests with us and stuff, you know, like everybody's part of the team. Um, Like I heard this crazy horror story from Treyarch uh, where they like, wouldn't let their QA talk to other developers and stuff. Like if they just saw them like uh, out and about in the hallways, they were like, weren't to talk to them (laughs) and like, weren't invited to company parties um, didn't get any company benefits Uh, weird shit like that. Um, so like when our owners heard about that, they changed it. So we couldn't use third-party contractors for QA anymore. Uh, we hired them full-time. So all of our QA guys work full-time and they get benefits and everything like they're full-time staff. Um, and I think because we develop games that way where everybody's part of the team and everybody's contributing feedback and everybody play tests together. Um, I think they see the value in the people and they, they want to hire the best people who are going to help push uh, whatever our product is. It's like our, our hiring process is kind of gnarly. Like we, we interview all day, Mm -hmm. like people who interview with us, it takes and they interview different departments because different departments might have to work with those people um, in the future. So um, I think if you have studios that really care about their employees, like for real care about them, and uh, see them as something that's going to make their product better. I I don't think they're going to compartmentalize as much and like uh, devalue certain departments because they can just be outsourced. Uh, I think they see the value in the people they bring on. Otherwise, they don't want to bring them on. So, um, or they don't last very long. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think um, I think it just depends. I could see some rich disconnected owner of a studio who doesn't know much about like what it takes to develop a game, uh, thinking that just like on, pa- on paper, it's way cheaper if we do this, why don't we just do this? Or, uh, again, looking at what other companies are doing, well, they outsource 80% of their shit. Why are we spending uh, in-house money on this? You know? So I think people who are a bit disconnected from the process and what goes into it, will probably push that way. So I think there is some danger. Yeah. I think it just depends on where you work.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I mean, we're at the hour mark, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of throw back to your uh, your trailer for your light rig uh, so that people can check it oh, out. Oh, sure. Yeah, Scott is definitely one of the best lighting artists I know and have worked with. And uh, I definitely You're want calm, to push his stuff as much as possible and if you are a shitty lighter you can definitely benefit from that, as many of you yeah, are
1: and if you guys do download it like uh let me know if you run into any issues or if anything uh isn't as you expect or whatever uh you can make that version three or four or whatever it is dude
0: definitely um as always uh stay safe out there guys um Try not to kill your family member before the COVID stuff. I know it's super stressful (laughs) for me. I've been, you know, I've been working from home for a while now, but like, I still go out as much as possible, but this is like even pushing me to the limit. So I can't, um, (laughs) I can't, I can't. I can empathize with people who are just suddenly thrown into this. Like this is the most hardcore work from home situation, uh, if you never even worked from home before. So um, I'm hearing a lot of yeah, stories. Yeah, like you're not even
1: there. supposed to go on walks and stuff, right? Like
0: yeah. Well, at this, it's even bad now because now I'm seeing people. I was telling my friend earlier. I was. I'm seeing people I didn't know even lived on my block, and I'm just like, are these like. <laughs> potential looters they are just scoping out my neighborhood but they i guess they lived for years around there and it's like the types of people who never exercised before too it's so it's kind of funny to go kind of like all right you know you're trying to build your yeah. immune system it's too late for that bro but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I i still applaud right it's still good but we're at a point where they're still stuck in their house and i'm doing that crazy you like as soon as i you know i see someone approach, i do that you walk around them just to keep that six feet of distance. Yeah, but they, distance. But that because they're so deprived, all right, most of these are old folks that they, they want to talk to you. It's like, yo, yeah. do you know what kind of situation <laughs> Do you know what kind of situation we are right now? I know. <laughs> it's like I can kill you right now. You're at risk. So- I can kill you. <laughs>
1: I saw this dude in New York. He had like a six foot like diameter circle, yeah. like a hula hoop <laughs> type thing around his body that would like yeah. bump into people if they got too close. Yeah, That's he was so wear a big
0: sumo suit and just bump people around. That'd be hilarious. But yeah, uh,
1: I, I got super lucky, dude. My wife is uh has made the the quarantine mad fun. Like, uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah, we just yeah, it's been actually really good for us. But I've heard stories where. People like found out their spouse cheated on them like two weeks before quarantine you know and then they're stuck like living with them in quarantine like shit like that <laughs> yeah. damn it's super rough uh, some people got way more rough dude like we just kind of chill and watch movies and stuff so it's fine but
0: yeah it's yeah, a dude. great connecting time like i'm, I'm at a point too I'm, i don't want to order out anymore because uh, hell, we're, we're basically hearing whole foods employees <laughs> yeah. are getting it now we're, we're hearing amazon deliver. it's like dude do you think these guys flipping burgers, washing their hands, bro? <laughs> right. I know that I know it's not supposed to be on food as much, but like the stuff that comes with the packaging of the food, you're eventually going to get it. Like how could right. I, I watched um, this is going off topic, but it's funny. Everyone's at home right now. Right. My wife made me watch this viral video about this guy. He's like, this is how you bring in groceries and clean it. And it's like, 30 minutes to clean an apple from the back rest. it's like no one's just gonna do this <laughs> yeah, yeah no dude. one's watching this this guy's dragging yeah. an extra five minutes just to get views man at this point he's taking advantage of this <laughs> but I, I watched the whole thing i was like i'm not doing this i rather get yeah, it yeah. <laughs> and there's no way <laughs> we're, we're, yeah breaking oh, point but let's throw that up yeah, so people can check it out and uh let's throw uh i'm gonna give the link as always if you're watching this live uh but in the video as you're watching the recording the links are going to be up there but let's tell the good people how they can find this
1: appreciate it man uh do you want me to throw it up on my screen
0: throw it up on your screen sick dude all
1: right so um go to my art station i'm selling it on the marketplace there
0: okay um so easy to- way
1: is just scott nap
0: if you forget the link on art station but yeah. also
1: yeah if you just type scott nap into into art station k-n-a-p-p um right now if you go to the marketplace it's under trending uh which is super cool appreciate the support everyone
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh but
1: yeah it's this right here so let me throw up the video um, the cool thing is I got this magenta light in here, some purple action that makes it stand out on the page. So it's got this huge, obnoxious, all caps font. So, you
0: know, it all helps. Yeah, dude.
1: Let's throw some music on here, dude. What's a little music on?
0: Only I can hear the music though. Let me see.
1: <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> I, Sorry,
0: I hear oh. it. Listen to the music, dude. Enjoy it. <laughs> You should just throw in some COVID vaccine over it too. That probably gets some hits. <laughs> but yeah. So how, how long did it take for you to kind of put this all together? I mean, was it something that you've always been thinking that there's been a need and you just been slowly building to it?
1: No, like I, I showed, um, a couple of my environment guys, uh, Phil Stoltz, Dan McGowan, uh, Chris Evans, like a couple of my buddies, uh, Ian Reynolds and they they wanted to show off their stuff and then when I showed them uh, how the asset viewer works and how easy it is to kind of like sw- switch between stuff they're like dude you should make this so it's really because of them like I didn't really think about doing it before but like dude this is this would be killer for prop artists and character artists to use um, so it took me like I don't know like three or four days to make it And then it took like one or two weeks for the presentation. Like I spent a lot of time recording different things and editing and all that kind of stuff.
0: So. Sweet. Yeah, man. Well, it looks great, man. It is definitely, uh, with everybody at home now, they're either catching up on work or doing portfolio work. So more and more people kind of needing this type of thing exactly to kind of streamline their process so i, I want I encourage everybody to go to our station type in scott nap scott is spelled normally nap isn't so it's k-n-a-p-p <laughs> it's been spelling it wrong his whole life a whole generation know, dude. uh go on our station grandparents are so dumb, dude. <laughs> They've been sleeping on the wrong letters. Uh, So go on to our station, check it out. It's trending, it's popular, it's awesome. You guys, uh, it's it's a great price too, right? It's like five bucks? What is it?
1: It's five bucks and it it comes with a tutorial as well on like how to get started. And then i also show how you can take one of those lighting scenarios and make your own. So like if you didn't like the the HDR, you had like your own that you wanted to use. Uh, In the tutorial, i show you how to set your own up. Um, So you can make your own lighting setup for yourself. But use the same
0: methodology, you know? Well, there you go, man. So instead of, like, spending that $5 on another COVID burger, spend it on Scott Knapp and get your portfolio looking better. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That ends this week. I'll see you guys next week, as always. uh, Thank you for joining us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Bluechamps B L U C H A M P S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com